Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, joined here by my always wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. I'm so excited with our guest tonight. Um, man, I, actually, I should say I'm terrified. <laughs> well, we are, we are very happy. We are going to be talking here shortly with author Josh Mallerman. Of course, you might know him from The Bird Box. Uh, yes, the book, and, of course, that was the turned into the Netflix movie with Sandra Bullock. So he's going to be talking about his latest novel, which is actually a novel in six novellas because it's called Goblin, and we're going to get into that. We want to remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And don't forget our anthology with Jeffrey Deaver and Reese Bowen, Linwood Barkley, um, Paul Kemperkos, and so many others, PW Star Reviewed, called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. So make sure you check that anthology out. Uh, it's available now. And coming at the end of this year, by Christmas, we'll have another one with Catherine Coulter. It's an all-female anthology where we're donating 10% of the sales to breast cancer research. And that is called Infinity. So check out that one. We've got some great authors that are going to be in that one, including like Allison Brennan and Kay Hooper uh, and many others. So make sure you get that one. But without any further ado, let's get right into our guest. Jeff, you ready to go? I am so excited. Let's do this. So, Josh, we want to thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. How you doing? Oh, my God. Wonderful, man. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. And this is the first time you've been on the show. Great that we were able to connect with you because uh, just I'm a huge horror fan. I do love horror. That's one of my favorite genres. Uh, Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. I'm not a huge gore fan, but I like creatures. I like that old-fashioned. And that's the kind of stuff that you get into. I mean, like with Bird Box and, and just that kind of style. And now you have this new book out coming uh, May 18th, and it's called Goblin. But it's a little different because it's six like novellas within a whole novel. So give us a little bit about what you going on, got going on there. Well, really what happened was I, it was like this liberating moment I had where I had started thinking about the city itself, and I was, like, almost embarrassingly, in hindsight, calling it Rolling Hills, right? And I'm like, in Ro the Rolling Hills Police and the Rolling Hills uh, Library. And, and, and I was talking to this girl, and she, I don't know how she used the word goblin in regular conversation, but she did. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's the name of the city. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that, no, no, no. Rolling Hills sounds, that, Rolling Hills doesn't even sound like, like a suburb. It sounds like a subdivision. It sounds like, like a gate. Like, like back to the future. Gate, there's a couple bushes and like there's five homes. And so yep. I was like, the second, it, it almost sounds a little superficial, but the second I had the name of the city to go with this idea of the city I had, it was this, it was like the doors opened because it said to me, no matter what story you put in Goblin, you already have your main character, the city, running through every one of them. So it, it, you could have short stories, you could have novels, you could have novellas, you could have unrelated stuff. As long as it's all in Goblin, the main character is present. That is so cool. And it, it reminds me a lot of like Castle Rock, what Stephen King does. Um, talk a bit about how you connect the stories in in this to Goblin. What happened? Because you have six different stories. Are you there, Josh? Oh, where'd he go? I, I heard him say something like, I can't hear. Is anybody there? Oh, no. And then oh, he can just... Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. And he kind of okay. went dark. Okay. Well, it sucks. Right. Right. He might, so let's see if he calls back in. I didn't hear him get out. 
But I'm just like, so Josh, if you can hear us, uh, we can't hear you. I, 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 heard, I heard the call disconnect. Oh, you did? Okay, I didn't hear it. So what we'll do is, is when he calls back in, um, he's probably going to be like, oh, my God, I don't know what happened. And oh, there he is. is. Josh. Okay, you there? Yeah, what happened? Was that I don't know. I was asking you a question, and I offended you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, heard oh, no. you, I heard you say something like, hey, what's going on? And then you just died. Like, it just went off. And I'm like, holy shit, his book came true. <laughs> so, so you, well, so okay. So you heard me at least. At least you heard me answer the question. That's good. I heard. You, I heard you dying on the phone. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was I was comparing Goblin to Castle Rock, and I, I think that's really cool. And I love the idea of you having these stories set in this really creepy town. Um, talk to me though about the novellas that you chose for this particular book. Okay, if well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sure. It. I actually began with a list of ten. Um, I was like, these these ten stories could happen here, and I and I quickly sort of recognized early on that um, gobliners are each obsessed with something, right? Uh-huh. And whether it's obsessed with being scared to death, like Walter Camp, and he's almost a shell of himself, or it's obsessed with you know the opposite almost. Uh, breaking Goblin's one rule, like Neil Nash, like this brash, arrogant, the guy who eats meat cakes and is going to go bag the, you know, the holy owl in town. So I started to see that each of these characters on this list were, like everything they did was in relation to Goblin, which meant there isn't that big of a difference after all between Walter Camp and Neil Nash. And I started to sense this thread of obsession through it. And so, but once I noted that, I didn't really want in any of them to repeat, if you know what I mean, right? You don't want to, like, tell, like, the same story, like, three novellas later. And so I was right. conscious of this list of ten of choosing this, like, six that were, I, I guess I would say the most different from one another. Mm-hmm. I, I would think I, Happy Birthday Hunter is the one that, that, that kind of grabbed me the most. Is there one for you that you kind of looked at and was like, yeah, you know, this, 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 is, this is going in, this, this is just too good? Yeah, but it, of course it's the one that, I don't know if it's anyone else's favorite, it's the classic author thing, right? But for me yeah. it's Walter Camp, because okay. he's literally the ultimate gobliner, ultimate gobliner. This guy is like a shallow, like barely getting by, mm-hmm. yet it's like he's completely haunted by this town, and he's also like obsessed and, and, and enamored with its history. So Walter might be the most shaky guy in town, but he's also like the most knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And so to me he became like the ultimate gobliner. Like he's, he's real. It's, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome, right? Where right. he fell in love with his captor. And so even in, in the story camp to calm him down, his neighbor, Mrs. Doris is like, Hey, why don't you come over? It's like 4am or whatever. Why don't you come over and, and talk a little history? Cause she knows it'll calm him down. So for me, he was, he was sort of the, um, how do I explain it? Like, he, like if, if, I, if I made a dollar bill of Goblin, I'd probably have camp on it because I'm like, this guy represents this city more than, more than anybody else. But real fast, the most fun one to write was probably Happy Birthday, Hunter. Like, like was it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I just love, I mean, I, I just, I thought when I 
kind of looked down to kind of see which one because you kind of, I just kind of jumped in. And I was like, this is the one. So I, I kind of got on that one first. And that was just really, it was just very, very entertaining. And I love the mystery. I love the buildup to kind of figure out, you know, what exactly is, is going on. And then it, it, when you, and, and so my question was, was kind of with this one, but, and I'm not going to give anything away, but it's kind of, it's kind of like your endings. So do you go into the story knowing already how it's going to end or does, or, or do these characters surprise you along the way, and then all of a sudden this is how it ends? So I'm, I guess I would argue that I'm like a pantser for the most part, right? Um, okay. But there's still, there still are landmark scenes in mind, right? Um, I can't give away the end of Presto, but I, I knew how that one was going to end when I started. Um, mm. With Camp, I knew how that one was going to end. Hunter, I, I didn't know. Um, the Hedges, I didn't know. Uh, a mix-up at the zoo, I didn't know. So it was a little of both. And okay. I, one thing I was conscious of was, like, if, if you're going to – and I, still, I feel this way about horror in general. If you're going to have a twist or a, a reveal, man, it's got to be really good or really fun or just – you know what I mean. Let's not do twists just to do twists because they're shorter than novel – you know, shorter horror stories, you know, and stuff like that. So I was aware of, like, trying to be – um, true to the story, I guess. I don't want to, this was a little lofty, but trying to be like true to the story, but also making it fun with, with fun endings. So I'd say about half and half. Okay. Yeah. So I'm curious, be, being a writer myself, I have conversations with my agent all the time. It's like, I'd like to do this. And my agent's like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, you know. Um, so walk me through when you said, I want to do six novellas about this town. How did that fly, and how did you convince them to get on board, or were they already on board? Hey, this is a great question that I've never been asked before. Um, <laughs> I used, with Goblin, I used the back door. So, so this is what I did, and this is something I do somewhat often. So far, uh, I think I'm, I'm looking up on my bookshelf. I've released nine books so far, right? And every right. other one of them is big five indie big five indie literally every other one so far so i had been introduced to paul miller at earthling publications by uh, christopher golden awesome writer you guys oh, probably yeah. know him. brilliant uh -huh. writer and he was like hey man i heard you have a million books have you ever considered you know another way to put them out is limited editions it doesn't go against most contracts with the big five because it wouldn't eat into sales it's a limited run this kind of thing so I started to recognize, and I, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to say it like, um, like the limited edition is like a farm league for the big five or something, but what it can do, I, I, see, I saw it as like, hey, if I release Goblin as a limited edition and it does well, if there's talk about it, if there's um, action on the movie or TV side, stuff like that, then it would stand to reason that then Del Rey would be like, hey, let's put it out wide. And that's exactly what happened with Goblin. And the other three are or the there's three of them a house at the bottom of the lake pearl and goblin were all limited runs and indie presses that del rey has picked up now and is giving like the full-blown wide release so with so to answer your question i i went right around her and by nice. like, Kristen wouldn't you know she, she wouldn't say no to a, a limited edition it could be about the craziest thing in the world right and and i totally understand your question too because who the hell is going to buy a book of six novellas, right? But, but, like, come on, right? 
But well, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, there's been, but you know, Stephen King did that, like nightmares and dreamscapes and stuff like that. Yeah, I but well, then again, he's Stephen know. King, I guess. But that's different. I know that dude. But so, like, so, that dude. So, there was, so, like, so there was like some, yeah, I, I would argue. And, and I also, I feel like this kind of thing is more um, possible now than ever, right? You can True. release a, I, I heard that Amazon's having some new thing where it's like serializing your novels, which I did that before. You could self-publish something. You could put one on your website. You could do a limited edition. And then you kind of, then what you have, though, is, a history of talking about this book, uh, uh, a thumbnail of the art image, whatever. And I don't want to think of things in such a strategic way, but I kind of feel like it, like it's more like this, like I can give and I gave goblin momentum when there wasn't a place for it to go really in, in, in terms of like the big five or a book deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are these other ways to find places for momentum for those, for those stories. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got to ask because, of course, you know, our fans are going to want to know because we never had John before. Maybe they haven't heard it before. But tell us the story about, you know, how you got Bird back, you know, Bird Box to Netflix, and how do you feel that it came out? You know, give us, you know, give give us the inside scoop into that movie because it when it came out, I mean, it was like, bam! I, here you go, and everybody was talking about it. Everybody was driving blindfolded. <laughs> yeah. Man, the craziest thing that I saw was uh, a woman blindfolded riding a horse that was blindfolded. And I was like, no, 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 no. Somebody has to put a stop to this. <laughs> I was like, no, don't ride a blindfolded horse. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, you blindfolded the horse. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so... The, the this is actually a, a really exciting story because I had met um, my manager. He's been my manager now for like 13 years, and we're like best friends. He's my age. But when I met him, he didn't have a single novelist. He had a couple like screenwriters, and he'd never done anything horror in all this. But we get together, and he had amazing notes on Bird Box, and I'm rewriting it and this and that. And the whole time that we're working on this, I'm – the brokest dude in the world, he's uh, doing what he does. He lives in L.A. And he's like, I'm telling you, the minute we get this shot for a book deal, I'm going to uh, sell the film rights. I'm going to get the film rights option. And I had no reason to believe him. He had never done it before. No novelist, nothing. But there's just something about Ryan that you just, you trust and you believe. And I was like, all right, okay. And we worked on Bird Box for... Well, it was really, we kind of worked on another book and Burbox for like three years. Three years. And again, wow. I'm broke. I'm living at a friend's house, all that stuff, right? Yeah. And then um, Ryan and this, uh, my lawyer, Wayne Alexander, shop Birdbox to Kristen Nelson, the agent. She picks it up, and she shops it to HarperCollins. They pick it up. Oh, my God, all of a sudden, Birdbox, what is going on? We have a book deal. Like three months later, Ryan got Universal to option the film rights. And it was, I'm talking like, yeah, like by the time it was optioned, like Ryan had been calmly telling me for four years, I'm going to like do this. I'm going to pull this off. And he did. And it was this unbelievable moment for me. I was in uh, uh, the Upper Peninsula, which is where Alice and my lady, um, her family is from. And we're up there and Ryan calls me. He's like, Universal wants to option, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. 
But even in Hollywood, you know, just getting an option doesn't mean it's going to get green-lighted at all. I mean, just... Right. Yeah. Right. So at that... Yeah, for sure. So at that point, we're just like, I don't know how you pulled this off. You freaking did it. Okay. So then some time goes by. You know, we would get, like, just enough updates to feel like, okay, this this is possible. Like, I flew out there once to meet the producers. Um, I, well, hold on. It says, right. I flew out to meet the producers. Oh, I was on the phone with prospective, like, screenwriters. So while Ryan and I didn't have any say, we were welcome, and it was, like, warm, and we were getting these little updates here, like, every few months or something. Just enough where you're like, hey, that's still happening. Okay, that's still happening. And then suddenly uh, Netflix buys it from Universal, and at that point, we're like, this is a really good sign because Netflix maybe has something in mind. Yep. And, and we, I was in West Michigan when I got a phone call that Sandra Bullock was going to play Mallory. And, it, you know, I had my own idea of Mallory, obviously, right? Uh-huh. But, I mean, my idea of Mallory lasted about two seconds before Sandra Bullock just took over. I was like, what? great. Oh, my God. This is the best thing ever. And, <laughs> and, and, and that was it. So... It was, it was, it's interesting as a lot of people will say, like, did you have any say or whatever? And it's like, talk about no leverage. Bird Box was optioned before the book was published, and it was my first book. So, no, we didn't have any say. No. But, I mean, if Lee Child didn't have any say with Jack Reacher, you think that, I mean, come on. Girl. No, no, but, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, and also, they're like, you know what, guys, like, I, there's a part of me that doesn't want any say. I don't want that, like, responsibility or something. I just want, like, yeah. it's like, I've been in a band with my best friends for 20 years. Me and uh, my great friend Mark, we write the songs, but the whole band plays it. We don't tell them what to play. And, I've, and I really do equate this to that, where it's like, I'm very used to I wrote the song, Bird Box, handed it over to the movie people, let's hear how you play it. Like, just do it, like, play it how you want it. So there's something liberating about that to me rather than like, oh, no, you were too liberal with the blindfolds or this or that. Like, just let it go. Let it be what it is. Yeah. And so to answer we- the second half of your question, you know, <laughs> dude, I was so freaking, like, out of my mind grateful that this was happening that I don't even know what I thought about the movie. Like, I couldn't I'm, – I'm watching this in a screening room – you know, at Netflix headquarters, watching Sandra Bullock playing Mallory. I mean, I was, like, crying. I'm sitting with my fiancé. I'm like, what the F is going on? Like, I mean, I loved every second of it. If, if, you, if you actually wanted to get into, like, details of, like, well, you know, what was right or wrong, I mean, yeah, I have some stuff. No, but you I don't have to get into that because like, they've got to take some liberties, yeah. Right, exactly. So, I mean, not to sound like Mr. Noble here, but honestly, it was, I'm, like, to this minute, I'm still, like, I'm unfathomably grateful for this. Where, just, just real quick, Jeff, your, your attitude is like Jeffrey Deavers that we just interviewed where he said the same thing with, like, the bone collector. He was like, here, take it and have a nice time. And he was like, just sit back and let it go. Yeah, man, because, like, okay, a few things. Number one, who knows what they're going to do. It could be amazing. Number two, um, that frees you up to write another book rather than spending so much time and energy, like being so concerned, giving yeah. notes on the script or saying, oh, God, how could she play that role or he play that role and being all concerned and talking with your fiancé all day about what's wrong, you think it's wrong. Just let it go. Hey, we'll see how it goes. Hey, by the way, I'm Just working on this new go. book, Allison. Listen to what this is about. And I think that there's a momentum there like, because if your thing, if your joy or whatever the hell it is, is to write novels, just try to stick to that as much as you can. That's what I tell myself. 
and then get like someone involved, you know, in these other things, or as, or as involved as they'll have you. But there's no reason to like reach any further than that for me. Right. Right. Well, I'm curious um, if this is true or not. You didn't really have plans for a sequel, but it was your fiance who says what happens after the last scene in the film that triggered you to write Mallory. No, it was. It, uh, no, it was God damn, like, Wikipedia is always wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, 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 it's sort of like an urban thing about you. I've seen it in several spots. It was so. It was more like. Uh, like Bird Box, the rough draft originally was like twice as long as what came out, and I removed a thread um, that just felt like it was like too. It just convoluted shit a little bit, right? So I got rid of it. But I liked that thread. So for a while, I've been like, and my agent would ask me, "When are you going to write that um, that other idea for Bird Box? Or are you going to write one? Are you going to write it?" Or, no, 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 Chris, and I have a million other ideas. Then when that night that Alice and I saw Bird Box, um in the uh, Netflix headquarters in a, in a room called the Upside Down. Um, we, at the end of the movie, I turned to Allison, yeah, and I was like, now what happens to her? And she's like, okay, idiot, like, it's up to you. So it was a combo. It was having an idea coupled with seeing Sandra Bullock play her. But, dude, I would be lying if I said, let's not also throw in the success of the movie. Because it was like, holy shit, what is going on? And this is, like, the most unbelievable thing ever. The book is the best seller of that movie. And you know what? Yeah, let's write the sequel now. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what prompted you to start writing books in the first place? Because um, I always have to tell people uh, that uh, the difference between a writer and a pepperoni pizza is a pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I've been doing it forever. Um, I, I really, really tried my hand at it starting around age 19. Uh, me and Mark, Mark Owen is the other songwriter in the High Strong. Him and I um, were writing songs but always talking about how we want to try to write novels. We, like, gave each other, like, challenges. I failed at writing, like, four of them, meaning, and all I mean by fail is I didn't finish them. Um, and then, you know, I had a crazy breakthrough at age 29 it was the oh god it was just the greatest experience of my life where i'm just alone in this and broke in this all night coffee shop in the detroit area and I, I wrote a book over a month finished it um and you know 15 years later i've written like 33 of them so it was like this crazy release moment that happened but we've been trying it forever mark and i had been trying it forever and we we're writing songs and i'm living in a van with my bandmates, writing these songs on the, or I'm sorry, these books, uh, between cities, between cities that we're touring to, things like that, on the road. So to me, I think, like, I don't have any kids, I don't have a day job, so then I don't have the same worries that that pepperoni pizza has. True. <laughs> True. Right. You can get the personal pan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. But now, but see, you're talking about how much of a creative guy you are, I mean, with music and with books. So is, there, is, is each of them, is each of those mediums kind of a release for you in a different way, creativity-wise? Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know if you guys, like, have something like this, too, in your lives, but it's not easy to, like, you would think, like, oh, I wrote a book today, now I'm going to write a song. No, no, it's, like, it's hard to, 
to step from one, one, one creative realm to the other for me. I don't know what it is. It's, they just happen in different, like, places or something. But the thing about the band, though, in writing songs is, like, man, I'm with, like, my best friends, my lifelong best friends. So, like, we meet up and we're, like, drink or smoke and, like, we're playing music and we're singing songs. And Mark has a new one and I have a new one. There's, like, a real, like, and it's funny and, and goofy and, you know, everything. Uh-huh. And then writing the book is like you are alone and anything goes in that rough draft. And so they're totally different, uh, different needs and, and nerves, you know. But now, but, but of course, you know, you don't write horror lyrics. So why did, so why did you fall into horror novels? That's a great question, too. Um, well, I try. I try to have one in interview. No, no, no. Normally I don't. No, normally I just fuck the whole thing up, but I'm doing pretty good at this one. It, no, it is an interesting question because, like, I, I feel like um, I have a couple answers, but the shortest version is I feel like they're really, to me, and I don't know what it is, there's a direct link between horror novels and, like, the kinks and um, the who when they're younger. It's, it's just this, like, adventurous, brash, imaginative, um, I don't want to say punk, but it, it has that sort of like that do-it-yourself, just like anything goes, arrested development. Like there's a similarity to me of small rock songs, whether they're singing about horror or not, and horror novels. They, they, they satisfy, they turn me on in like similar arrested development ways, which, by the way, I hope I maintain an arrested de- development forever. But another thing is that like I was already writing short stories and, like, the worst goth emo poems you could possibly imagine before uh, writing songs with the boys and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd always been trying this, like, you know, but you know how you try so hard in, like, high school and middle school to, like, be, like, the dark writer, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, my God, I'm so serious. It was so embarrassing. But anyway, and I have all those in my closet here. So, like, that Thing you mean like the happening. shock writer? You wanted to write? You just wanted to write so dark that your teacher would look at you and say, "Please come with me." And then there's like an intervention. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, no, I guess not. Man, now I wish it was more like that. No, I wanted more like people. I wanted more like my friends to be like, "Oh God, that was wow, that was for, like to scare my friends or to scare like a, a date like a girl or to scare my brother." You know what I mean? Like, okay. I wanted it to be like that Twilight Zoney, but 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 more horror than sci-fi. And I just, again, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Like, literally no idea. Started playing with the band. And like I said, Mark and I kept trying to write along, like, you know, as we, as we learned music as well. So the writing has always been there either way. And writing horror has always been there. And reading horror has always been there. But, and I, you know, that was the, there wasn't going to be anything else that I was going to write ever all along. Favorite horror movie? Well, Mark, <laughs> man, um. Lately, can't count, been, you can't count Bird Box. That's a cop out. Doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that sure is. <laughs> no, that's a cop out. No, no. no I think I think my favorite uh, horror movie might be Creep Show. Oh my God, that it's a great one. I have the book on my bookshelf. Oh. But I love Creep Show. Yeah, yeah, I have the book on my bookshelf. Yeah. Wow, sweet. Um, yeah, that I do. I love it. You know, I thought Creep yeah. Show Two wasn't bad. Um, I thought the raft was a pretty cool, you know, uh, premise where the blob was coming after them on the raft. I thought, yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 the Indian, the, the wooden Indian one was a little like, eh, but the first one, they were all good. They were all good. Yeah. Every single and I one. I mean, guys. I want my cake. I mean, yeah. really? Are you shitting me? 
Yeah, I had. Okay, so the soundtrack to Creepshow might be like, it might be the best horror soundtrack of all time. And so I don't, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I don't I know have, the sound. I don't know the soundtrack, and I'm a oh heavy metal God, guy. That's it. what I listen to. Dude, at, oh wait, you do or you don't know it? I don't know it. Okay, okay. So when we're off, go YouTube. Um, just Creepshow soundtrack. I'm gonna go it's Spotify right, right, right now. And I yeah, and I have the original on vinyl, and I and I got to talk to. Well, that was weird. Like a is. friend called while we're hanging out. I got to talk to the guy who wrote the and performed the soundtrack because John Harrison. Di- yep, he directed the episode of Creep Show that I wrote for the new you know thing on Shutter and AMC. I wrote an episode for it. This oh. was like full circle life dream shit happening here, you know where. I wrote an episode for, like, the TV show of, like, my favorite movie, you know. But meeting John Harrison was, I was like, dude, uh, you wrote the, the greatest horror soundtrack of all time. And I, and I showed him that I had it on vinyl. He's like, I don't, I don't even have that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Now I kind okay. of want to give this to you, but I don't actually want to give this to you. I don't want to give it to anyone. <laughs> so, so then, Stu, you like creep shows. So what movie was Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater in together. Steve Shinny and Christian Slater were in together. In a horror movie that's just like Creepshow. And they were in the first story of that movie. What year? Oh, it would have probably been around uh, late 80s. Wow, really? Oh, oh, okay. Um, Yeah, because Buscemi was young and Christian Slater was really young. But not Tales from the Dark Side? No, they weren't. That's it. Tales from the oh, Dark really? Side. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. were in the one with the mummy. Oh, Steve yeah. Buscemi was the oh, guy yeah, with the mummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sl- yeah. 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 Dude, John Harrison directed Tales from the Dark Side. That Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought I recognized the name, and then I'm like, oh, Tales from the Dark Side. Because I used to, but Tales from the Dark Side also used to be like, do you remember, Jeff, was it HBO or Showtime? That it was like every week there was like a Tales from the Dark Side. It became a thing. Oh, and then they that made was a movie. the best. Because those were, like, made on, like, it honestly looked like they were made on, like, 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 like home cameras and stuff. In yeah, the early, like, like Blair Witch yeah. before Blair Witch. Yeah. yeah, if you watch season one of that now, you're, you're just like, what? Yeah. Wait, what, was, was this budget, like, 500 bucks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's I so know. inspiring. It makes you just want to make one on your phone, like, right now. Exactly. <laughs> Get, like, four iPhones and just make one right now. Yeah. Was, 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 uh, was lead singer Blondie Deborah Harry in that, too? Yeah, she yep. was the main person. She was the one that okay. was being told the stories to by the little kid. He was reading oh, it from a right. book. Because that was, like, That's the Hansel right. okay. and Gretel kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Remember, okay. she has the kid. Yeah. She was going like, to eat him. Behind bars. And yeah. she was, like, she was, like, getting the potatoes ready. For she was getting it. She was going to put them in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he pushes her in the oven at the end by the, by the last story. Because I think there were three stories, maybe four in that movie. My, my memory tells me there. I'm thinking three. But either way, the one, thinking three. The one with the artist who's, like, with that demon thing, it says. Yeah, you know, that, that's that Ray Dong Chong. As yeah. long as you never, ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says if you never mention me, like you will have a life, you know, the greatest life ever. So long as you never mention me, that segment stuck with me, man. I love Fuck that yeah. one. And then he thought he could, uh, his, and then he thought he could tell his wife, making sure, hey, I want to make sure I tell you everything. Yeah, not that. 
Not that, buddy. That oh. was a le- that 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 turns out to be a lesson that you, you probably shouldn't tell your wife. Like everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you? Yeah. Did you want? You remember them, Jeff? Right. That oh movie? yeah, I know that. I'm trying yeah. to remember what was the second one. What was the other one? That was the third one. What was the other one in that? Okay, was that the one with the cat and uh, William Hickey with like the cat in the house, like in the mansion, and the guy with was that one the, the cat, cat or was that yes, cat from hell? That's right. Yeah, that was, um, and that was Elvis Costello was in that. Let me see. Elvis Costello was the hitman killing the cat. Oh, no, man. Uh, I didn't watch this again. The musician. Uh, I know, no, 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 no. The singer of the New York Dolls. No. No? Hold on. What? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Because I thought it was a big I thought it was a big guy at the time. Now i got to look this shit up, man. We're... I'm looking it up right now, but I, I did a really good job of not looking this up till right now. Me too. I was just trying to remember off the top of my head. <laughs> it's uh, the Johansson guy. Right. That's I'm the New York Dolls. Yeah, New York Dolls. Exactly. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, God, I thought it was Elvis Costello for some reason. Doesn't look anything okay. like it, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess it didn't. Yeah, David Johansson. Yeah, that was him. I, whatever. Not the brightest. <laughs> hey, same here. Good, hey, good we, stuff, we the three of us get along wonderfully. Um, true, yeah, yeah, so it looks like yeah. it was just it was just the three cats from hell or yeah, the cats from hell. Sorry, William Hickey. Oh God, I love that guy, man. Yeah, he's just so weird and like the old guy. I, yeah, man. Yeah. I I so wish this guy was around and could be in like oh man, everything, oh, man. Like movies like now that like of the horror stories from from I I, I want him. I would cast him in like. I would just they write just a movie CGI for him. him as every freaking old guy in a wheelchair because he's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Just CGI because his voice is perfect. I mean, he's yeah. like a Vincent Price voice. Like when you hear it, you're like, oh my god, that's creepy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's so good, man. I, yeah. William Hickey, yeah. like you just remember him from when we were younger, and you're just like, oh god, this is a scary movie just by seeing him. Just exactly. like the guy, you, you know, you're freaky when like you just come on screen and, and it's like, oh, this is a horror movie. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, he'd never be in a romantic comedy, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man, I love him. So, Josh, the best place for everyone to find everything out about you is just your website, right? JoshMallerman.com? Yes, and that yep. used to be boring, but now it's exciting because there is a free novel that I serialized that is nowhere else, and it's been on the website for about a year. Um, literally, there's no ebook. There's nothing. There's a, it's longer than Bird Box. It's a full, real novel just sitting there on joshmallerman.com for anybody to read at any time. Nice. And are you on social media? Yeah, everything's just Josh Mallerman. One L M A L E R M A N. And yeah, yep. Which one do you kind of do the most? Like Twitter or Instagram? Man. Twitter Can't imagine sometimes Facebook. seems like such an angry place to me, but then, but then I end up having fun there. I, I just use it all like probably about the same. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Cool. Well, I'll tell you, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you tonight, and I can't wait for people to get out there and start seeing The Goblin. Again, the book comes out, and it comes out in audio form the same day, right? Yep. And then I think I also saw, and that's May 18th, and then I think I also saw that they're also dropping the paperback of Mallory on the same day, right? Yeah, that that uh, not not to sound like crazy, but that that was news to me. I just saw that also a few days ago, and I'm like, oh shit, that's wonderful. I, I didn't know, yeah. but I think that's that's a great idea on their part, and I'm and I'm I'm glad that's happening. That's cool. So hey, 
we want to. We wish you nothing but the best. Love having you on. We'd have have you back anytime. And if you just want to talk horror movies, we can do that for hours because I I'm a horror movie junkie. Um, oh, it'd but, be a blast, man. Anytime. Yeah. So again, <laughs> thank you so much. You stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk soon. And congratulations again on on all the success. Oh man, guys, thank you so so much for having me. I absolutely loved it. Thank you, guys. All right. Oh, thank all you. Right. Stop recording.